The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. If you don't build it with labor in vain, without your spirit, we stand with no strength. I know my time is passing away. The works of your hands are what will remain. Let the favor of the Lord rest upon us. Oh Lord, establish the world. Just to number the length of our days Pour out your power, oh, pour out your praise Teach us to rhyme, to finish the race What's time love will remain? Let the favor of the Lord rest upon us. Oh Lord,
Ecclesia, it's good to be with you today. Let's pray together as we begin our time of worship. Holy God, we're grateful for the ways that you unite us across all of the globe, across the state, across the city. You bring us together as one people. And so we gather as one now to worship you, the one God. And we pray that you would fill us with what we need today, that your spirit would dwell close to us, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for us. May we receive again that we are your beloved daughters and your beloved sons. And may you uh, unite us, may you fill us, may you use us as your hands and your feet to bring your kingdom in our homes, in our circles of influence, and across the globe. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, hold fast, hold fast to each other, sisters and brothers, hold fast, hold fast. Well, I'm not a letting go, not a letting go. No, I'm not a In trouble the waters hold fast There's just so much one can carry Before breaking down When the seasons left us wanting nothing more Put it in the ground, in the ground Thus we not waver from our hope's confession For He has promised us His faithfulness To the wire, to the Father Hold fast, hold fast Brothers, hold fast, hold fast. Well, I'm not a letting go, not a letting go. No, I'm not a letting go, not a letting go of the wire in troubled waters. Hold fast.
God is my shepherd I won't be wanting I won't be wanting He makes me rest In fields of green With quiet streams And even though I walk through through the valley of death and dying I will not fear Cause you are with me You're always with me Your shepherd's staff comforts me In the presence of enemies Surely goodness will follow me Will follow me In the house of God forever In the house of God forever God is my shepherd I won't be wanting I won't be wanting He makes me rest In fields of green With quiet streams And even though I walk through valley of death and dying I will not fear cause you are with me you're always with me your shepherd's staff comforts me you are my of enemies is surely goodness will follow me will follow me yeah. your shepherd's staff comforts me you are my feast in the presence of enemies is surely Follow me in the house of God forever. In the house of God forever.
house of God forever. Ecclesia, please join me as we pray a blessing over our children. God, we know that you love each of your children, each of us. You are our heavenly parent and we are your children. And so may we each have eyes to see and ears to hear that beautiful truth today. May each of your children know that we delight in them and that you delight in them. And may we feel your presence, may they feel your presence this day. May you provide for us in all that we need. Give us rest, give us strength, carry us through. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. And now friends, join me in this offertory prayer. Almighty God, you created everything in the heavens above and in the earth below. You survey all your creation and you savor its beauty and appreciate its goodness. To you, we lift up the best we have to offer from our time, talents, and resources. We give freely from what we have received from your hand. We give joyfully with the gratitude of a rescued people. We give generously with the excitement of children at play. We join with your mission and with your kingdom in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, Ecclesia. So good to be gathered with you wherever you are, uh, across the city uh, or across the world. If we haven't met in person, my name is Wayne. I'm the campus pastor at Ecclesia on the west side. So good to be with you today. And I have a few things we want to make sure you're aware of and know that are coming. First is we are wanting to make sure everyone knows that starting next week, we're doing some tweaks and some changes to how we gather and worship together online. For the past 17 months when the pandemic started, we I'm really proud of our team for the way that we shifted and pivoted and we created something that was really dynamic and really engaging and really beautiful that got us through in many ways. And I look back and there's a lot of sweet memories and I'm so proud of the hard work that so many of our team put into that. But as we look to the future, it's time to tweak it, it's time to adjust a little bit. That experience was really designed for, to mimic what we were doing in a large room and a large gathering. But where we're watching these and engaging with these is in a completely different setting. It's typically in a home or around a table in a smaller setting. And so what we wanna do is create an, an, an experience that takes advantage of the space and the setting that you're in, that it encourages you to be in smaller settings with people. So it'll be a little shorter. There's gonna be a little bit more varied content, new prayers, new liturgies, there's still music, but some ways to engage and interact around the table and we're calling it worship table. So for some of you that may offer up a, a sense of grief, oh, something's changing, that's okay. It's time to say thanks to what was and to step into what is and what will be. And we think it's gonna be absolutely beautiful. So tune in next week for worship table, or you can uh, connect with us if you're in, in the city of Houston and want to meet in person. We're at uh, both of our campuses at 1100 Elder and the West Side at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And we would totally welcome you there. Next, you know there's a whole lot going on in the world right now. 
And we're doing a lot to try to connect and serve so many across the globe. But we also wanna keep you aware and remind you that we're still doing so much to care for some of our unhoused sisters and brothers here in the city of Houston. We're providing hot meals uh, on a weekly basis. We're also providing other kinds of resources and things they need from backpacks to um, ponchos for, for the rain to cell phone batteries and all kinds of things. There's so much that they need and we can walk alongside them. And if you'd like to contribute to that, uh, we have an Amazon wish list where you can purchase some of the things that they need. You can see what's been purchased, what the needs are, and you can do that and it gets shipped directly to one of our campuses so that we can offer that to them. You can find that list as well as opportunities to serve at ecclesiahouston.org outreach and you can be a part of that. And it's because of your generosity that we get to do those things. So we thank you so much for that. And then lastly, Ecclesia, we want you to know that we're continuing to walk alongside our brothers and sisters in Louisiana that were impacted by Hurricane Ida. We feel like we dodged a bullet with Tropical Storm Nicholas. We're so grateful. Uh, and we want to continue to walk alongside those brothers and sisters. You can be a part of that through giving as well. If you go to ecclesiahouston.org slash give, uh, there's a place where it talks about Gulf Coast response. You can give to that and it goes directly to those efforts to help our brothers and sisters there. Thank you, Ecclesia, for your continued generosity. We're so grateful that we get to do all this together. And then lastly, uh, I want to just welcome you to a time where we're going to pause and our dear brother and friend, Teaching pastor Sean Palmer is going to open the scriptures and he's going to share a message from God's word and from his life with us. My prayer for you is that you hear through Sean's teaching the voice of God speaking directly to you where you are, that you meet him, that God encourages you, that he reminds you of his love for you and for all people. Ecclesia, we love you. We hope to see you soon in person. God bless. Hey, Ecclesia, um, I've got a confession that I need to make to you. It's that in this, this most recent season of COVID, I have picked up a new television addiction. It's this reality TV show called Below Deck Mediterranean. Now, I don't ever watch reality TV. I don't like reality TV. I think the people on reality TV are pretty much horrible, like across the board, but I found myself watching this show and I stumbled onto it because my oldest daughter, Malia, had started watching these other reality TV shows. As a matter of fact, um, I went upstairs one day and she was sitting in our loft watching television and she was watching this reality TV show called Marriage or Mortgage. So here is the premise of Marriage or Mortgage. A couple who is getting married, planning their wedding, they can get $30,000 to put toward their wedding or $30,000 to put toward a house. And I'm watching this thinking, like, why is this even a question? Like, if you have to debate whether you're going to put $30,000 on one day or a whole house, like, you need serious help. You don't need to marry anyone and you too don't need to marry each other because you make bad decisions. And so Malia is telling me as I'm asking her why she's watching this show and she, she just says, you know what? I figured um, that it was wrong to watch reality TV because you and mom never watch it. And maybe this is one of those places where I don't really fit into the family because the truth is, I love trash. 
And I heard her and I thought, oh, honey, we didn't let you watch reality TV because we were trying to raise you well, but we love trash too. And so she and I started watching the show Below Deck Mediterranean. So Below Deck is all about the people who work on these huge, these super yachts. It's about the captain and the deck crew, the stewardesses, the chef, and everything that happens in their life below deck. And then the premise of the show is that these super wealthy people, here's how it works, these super wealthy people rent these super yachts who are owned, the yachts are owned by someone even more wealthy than them, and they can rent up to about $200,000 a week. So someone who owns a super yacht rents it out to other really rich people, but people who aren't rich enough to own their own super yacht. And it's the story of everything that happens with them. But the show is about everything that happens below deck, like with the crew, like all of their love triangles, all of their partying, everything that they do. And that's just standard boilerplate reality TV stuff that I'm not really all that interested in. What I'm interested in are the guests because the guests come on and they sometimes have outrageous, ridiculous requests from the crew. Like there's one set of guests who drank 20 bottles of vodka in two days. Like another set just complained about the food the whole time. This one set of guests wanted like a toga party one night. And there's this one lady who wanted a bowl of gumballs, always, no matter where she was on the ship, she wanted a, ball of, a bowl of gumballs with her all the time, but they could only be white gumballs. Like that was her thing, just white gumballs. I'm like, these, these people are out at sea. You just can't run down to the store to get a bag of only white gumballs. Like, what do you do? And what I find fascinating about all of that is not that really rich people have insane and ridiculous requests because that just kind of comes with the territory of being really rich. Like you just think you can have anything at any time and everybody should get it for you. What I find interesting is that in their behavior and in their request, they're giving all of us a glimpse of what they think the good life is, what it is to be well off. And I'm mindful that all of us, no matter who you are, where you come from, what your experience have been, all of us have an idea of what the good life is. And for some of us, it's the ability to afford a week on a super yacht. For others, it's an idealized form of a relationship. Some, some woman, some man that we think when we have that, that that'll, that'll be the good life. Others of it, it's the picture of a perfect family. This is what our children are gonna be like. Others look at life in a certain way where the good life for them is having certain freedoms all the time and there are other people who feel like the good life is curtailing other people's freedoms so they can't do things that they want to do. The good life could be accomplishment, it could be fame, acclaim. Everyone 
has a picture of the good life. But as you can see from tensions, whether it's at work or in your family, to politics, when you get on your Facebook feed, we all have a really different idea of what the good life is, what human flourishing is, what we, can th what we think it means to be well off. And isn't that the reason that so many of your relationships experience tension? It's about a picture of the good life versus someone else's picture of the good life. One person thinks spending money this way is the good life and someone thinks maybe saving it or spending it on this other thing is the good life. We all think that there are certain behaviors, certain ways of being in the world that create flourishing, that create the good life. And that's been the case since the beginning of time. But the problem is, what is the good life? And how would you know if you had it? Because here's what you know without ever having to think about it. You know what you like and what you don't like. But why is that good? And if there are other people who you think she's a pretty good person, he's a pretty good guy, we, we get along in a lot of areas, but they have a different picture of the good life, who, who's right about that? And so the instinct is to just go grab bagging. So if you think that's good, then I'll think this is good and we can just have our own different kinds of good. And that works in some areas, but it doesn't work in the most important areas in your most important relationships. How do you know what is the good life versus just what you like? Well, I think Jesus points to the answer to that in the Sermon on the Mount. Because if there is a God, if God is the creator of all things, then it stands to reason that the God, the being who created all things, would have the best idea of what is good and what makes something good. So when Jesus gives this, this seminal sermon, this sermon that defies everything that he does. It is the definition of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what he says. He says, now when he saw the crowds, Jesus went up to the mountain as Moses had done before him. And he sat down as Jewish teachers of his day usually did. His disciples gathered around him. And Jesus said, blessed, are the spiritually poor, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek and the gentle, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And blessed are you. Blessed are all of you when people persecute you and denigrate you or despise you or tell lies about you on my account. But when this happens, Jesus says, rejoice, be glad. Remember that God's prophets have been persecuted in the past and know that in heaven you have a great reward. 
Now here's what I love about what Jesus says here in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. And maybe it's what many of us need to hear. Maybe it's what you need to hear. And we especially need to hear it after 18 months of COVID and job losses and transitions, 18 months of disruption and finding ourselves in places that we never imagined. And this is what the Beatitudes are telling us. It's telling us that God is good, that he blesses. God really is good. God really does love you. And no matter who you are or what you have experienced, regardless of, regardless of where you are right now, God is good. And you can experience God's goodness. Jesus is inviting you into God's goodness. And, and what's striking is that Jesus doesn't list as blessed as the good life, many of the things, or even most of the things, most of the conditions that we woke up this morning striving for and thinking about created the good life. Jesus doesn't say, blessed be the rich. He doesn't say, blessed be the skinny and the fit. Jesus doesn't say, blessed be the smartest. Blessed be the most charming isn't in here. Neither is blessed be the deep and insightful. You know what else? You know what else is not there? Blessed be the comfortable. How many times do we spend, how much of our time do we spend worrying about being comfortable? You hear it in our language. I'm not comfortable with that. That makes me uncomfortable. And the Beatitudes are saying that there is a blessed life, a life in God, where we sit in the middle of God's love and our response historically has been, that's all good, Jesus. But I want that other stuff. And why do we want the other stuff? Because when we have all that, when we have wealth, when we have fitness, when we have all of those other things, that's when we feel blessed. We don't feel blessed when we mourn. We don't feel blessed when we're meek. In Genesis 28, there's a story about Jacob and Jacob is traveling and God kind of puts him in this trance and he falls asleep. And in the, in the dream he has, there are angels ascending and descending from this ladder. And, and God comes to him, he talks to Jacob in the middle of that dream. And this is what he says. God says, I am the eternal one, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you are now lying is the land I have promised to give to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as many as there are specks of dust on the earth. You will spread out to the west, east, north, and south. Through your descendants, all the families of the earth will find true blessing. Know I am with you and I will watch over you no matter where you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done all that I promised you. The dream ended and Jacob woke from his sleep. And Jacob says to himself, he says, there is no doubt in my mind that the eternal one, 
is in this place and I did not know it. So Ecclesia, I have a very simple message for you. The places where you think God isn't in meekness, mourning, peacemaking, and mercy. Those are the places God is. And if you're there, like Jacob, God is there. And if you're looking for another form of the good life, then you might miss it. God is there, the eternal one is there, and you might not know it. The eternal one is in the place where you are, in the place of wanting a relationship and not, not having one, in the place of being in a relationship that you don't want, in the place of your children struggling in school or struggling with friends or struggling with anxiety, in the place of wishing that you had children to struggle in the place of your divorce, wherever you are, God is in that place. This is what we learn from the Beatitudes that in the worst, you are blessed. So early on in COVID, when so many things were being just scratched off the calendar and never returning, our family, came up with a new phrase. I'm not sure where we heard it from, but it was basically to say to one another in those times of disappointment to just have the best available. So, so you would have a bad day or a disappointment and we would say to one another, okay, you just need to have the best day available to you. Because we knew everything that we wanted that we couldn't have, we could only do, we could only maneuver toward the best available. So a couple of weekends ago, our daughters went on a retreat for the weekend. And as soon as we got back, this other girl that they shared a room with um, came down with COVID. And it was the same time that our oldest daughter started getting pretty sniffly and had a cough. And we thought, okay, here we go. It's finally come to our house. We are going to share in the burdens of the world, just like so many other people have. And so we took her to get a COVID test the very next day. And it turns out that she didn't have COVID. She just had the flu. And so she rested at home for a few days and things were back on track. But this was a very busy week at their school. There are all of these dances for fish week and new student orientations and all of this. And our youngest daughter's a freshman and her group that she was doing all of these things with this past weekend, they were going to a dance together and then they were gonna have a sleepover. It was gonna be 22 girls. And just having walked up to the precipice of COVID before, not knowing the status of all these other people, and you can't control everybody's behavior, we just decided that we'd probably pushed it as far as we could and be best for her not to go to the sleepover part of it. And she was totally disappointed and crushed. And I told her, you know, if you need to be mad at me, I totally get it. It's not me, it's COVID. But if that anger and upset and disappointment needs to go somewhere, like I'm dad, I'm big enough to handle it. And as her school big sister came to pick her up to take her to the dance and she was walking out, I just looked at Kate and I said, have the best night available to you. 
when Jesus stands on that mountain and begins to teach, as the crowds gather to hear, and what he is saying to you is that this life, the life that he is inviting us into, it's the best available life for you. And Ecclesia, I say all of that to tell you this, like life with God, the good life, is not about the conditions of your life. It's about the kingdom. And in God's kingdom, God's life is the best available life to you. And so whoever you are, wherever you are, you are not unblessable. And that's good news. Let me pray for you. God, we receive your blessing in the middle of the stresses and heartaches and disappointments of life. That you have called us into the good life and we celebrate that. That Jesus has promised and that you are good. And Lord, we ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear all the places that you are working. So in the midst of all of our ups and downs, that we will know that you are in our presence. And we ask in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Ecclesia, as we prepare to pause and to remember Christ's death and resurrection, I wanna share something with you that I was recently reminded of. Uh, I was in a conversation with a friend and it sparked a memory of a book that I read about six years ago called 1,000 Gifts by an author named Ann Voskamp. And there was a quote that just haunts me sometimes. And she says, the secret to joy is to continue to pursue God where we doubt He is. And one of the most impactful portions that she talked about was actually where she talked about the Eucharist and the practice of giving thanks. And it blew my mind, it changed my life. Uh, but she said that one of the things that so struck her is that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and then he broke it. And he gave thanks for the bread that represented his very body being broken. He gave thanks for the thing that represented his own death. And similarly, after the cup, after the, the meal, he took a cup of wine and he offered thanks again for the wine, which represented his blood and his life being poured out. And I draw strength and hope from that in whatever circumstances I find myself with everything going on in the world, to know that God's not done with this process and that even in Christ's death, God can use that to bring life and grace and hope. And so how do I be thankful? So I wanna invite you into a time where we can practice that together, to be thankful for God's love and God's grace and God's presence wherever you are. And as we come to the table to remember today, I wanna to invite you to take a few moments to look inside, to be honest with yourself, to be honest with God, and to pray this prayer of confession with me. I will read as a celebrant and you can respond as the people. God, you have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. You have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well were run dry. You forgive time and again, 
but we hold fast to the sins of others. You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. And altogether, you are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace. So Ecclesia, we give thanks today for Christ's body and his blood, this bread, this wine, this juice, whatever elements you have. May you taste and see God's hope, God's presence, his forgiveness, and may you be filled with gratitude and peace today. This is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.
inside And you make it beautiful Beautiful And you make it beautiful Beautiful And you make it beautiful Our benediction for today is from Isaac of Stella, written in the 12th century. May the Son of God, who is already formed in you, grow in you, so that for you he will become immeasurable, and that in you he will become laughter, exultation, the fullness of joy that no one can take from you. Ecclesia, we love you. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.